swords we handle art to spark souls and charge tolls to cross roads and bandits are catacombs and giant doors protect the chest and stores from legendary items with the dragon bones and iron it's horse. a grand theft of elk scrolls simon's quest with toe and earl rock shoes to every clue easter eggs and gaming news the potus needs some bad dudes to crash crew like bandicoot all shit a game in english control shows Control Issues! Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is A-Dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. Also, go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for Control Issues. Download it. Subscribe to it. Rate it. Review it. Give it five stars. Let us know you're out there. Head on over to Twitter. My Control Issues is the handle. That's M-Y. Control Issues. And yeah, let us know what you think about stuff and junk. Share your ideas, share your screenshots, your gameplay videos, breaking news, rumors and leaks, your trolling, all of it. Also, head on over to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure. AMC, how are you living? I am living very well. I am knee deep in the middle of October being that um, I did a lot of October shit. Yep. <laughs> Hold on just a second. And we are back. Yeah, my uh my headphones just went out. I had to switch them up real quick. Technical um, difficulties. Yeah, technical difficulties. Uh yeah. So knee deep in October, being that I went to Costco and bought a pumpkin, a giant pumpkin the other day. Um, and then I decorated a gingerbread Halloween house with Theo early this morning. Oh, so, yeah, so you know, we went to a pumpkin patch last week, got a pumpkin this week. Now we decorate, and so we're, we're all in. All we need is a costume, and it is officially fucking. Oh, and I've been having. I got like some pumpkin spice uh, cookies from Trader Joe's that were also amazing. As I said to you, Adob, everything from Trader Joe's is amazing. <laughs> is it pumpkin spice gingerbread house? <laughs> I, I think it might be actually. Um, anyways, how, how how's your week been, dude? Uh, not bad, man. You know, just working my ass off. You get to the weekend. Had some good times with old friends, uh, had good times with new friends, had good times with people I ain't seen in a while, reconnecting, tapping back in to that nightlife. So much connection. So much connection, reestablishing. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, Coach was right, man. We're playing Death Stranding right now. <laughs> you know, I the think narrative. he knew about the pandemic. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, with the director's cut, I feel like the narrative on Death Stranding is like, a game that people wanted to laugh at and wanted to be bad. It's mm-hmm. like Kojima's just, he's one of those dudes that's just ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah. And people are finally catching up. Like, uh-huh. I see so many threads and like offhand comments from people that are like, like De- Death Stranding's one of the best open world games ever made. <laughs> it, it even make the act of walking entertaining. <laughs> And then apparently with the director's cut, like he's using the adaptive triggers to where if you if you can't lean in a certain direction, you can't even pull the trigger like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like the heavier your load is, uh, you're getting like more resistance from the buttons, I guess. (laughs) Yes, I love it. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Ten bucks, get your upgrade, get your content. How <laughs> uh, dare you? I already paid for it. Nickel and dime. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. So connection, meeting up with people. Connection, meeting up with people, getting compliments, all the hard work paying yeah. off. Boy, get back in shape. So you know, get getting my ego a little puffed up, but I'm keeping it under control. AW went in the pandemic. Went, went in the hyperbaric time chamber. <laughs> Came out two days later. Everything just shredded on my Hair, clothes. Hair's longer. Hair longer. <laughs> Blowing up the chamber. Uh-huh. Amazing. Yeah, anime time skip. It happened. Got a scar. Oh, oh yeah, it was great. But yeah, had an excellent weekend. Uh, played. Played Overcooked with my coworker and my brother. And Overcooked, it's one of those. Oh, wait a minute. That's that's what you've been playing. But yeah. We can get right into it. So I know I know you you watch your pal, watch some other stuff, but we could skip all that. I thought you were gonna Yeah, watch the specials. I, I think you guys already know about Squid Game. I watched all that. I binged that last week for the mm. show. Uh watch Chappelle. I felt like I watched something else, but can't pull it off the top of my head. Need to watch Black Widow, watch the season finale of What If. So if you're not on that, then what is your problem? AMC, you better catch up to your boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be on that. Yes. I'll be on that. Uh, But yeah, anyway, so now getting back to what you were talking about, what you've been playing. So (laughs) I put put in Returnal for a hot minute just to to taste the level again, just to – I wanted to kind of – my parents and my brother came over, so I just wanted to show them what that PS5 life was like. Put on some return on my dad. I was like, oh, this looks amazing. I was like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just ran around. I one thing I I have with games is, you know, when you play a game dedicated and you're just on it for a few hours here and there, but just putting in your hours every week, you you develop the neck, the shining. There's like a clairvoyance or a sixth sense to how a game operates, you know what everything's doing, you know where everything is, you know exactly how to respond and react to be in the places you need to be. I mostly lost that with Returnal. (laughs) It was giving me, it was giving me some hard times, you know, just getting, getting too close to enemies that then jump in and melee you, getting too close to their, their rounds that are doing damage to me, just making silly mistakes, being sloppy, but it was, it was gradually coming back. I think I died in the first level in the first few rooms, and that is highly uncharacteristic of you, boy. So I felt a little bad. It was like, yo, I'm, I'm out of practice. I'm out of season. Went from that, and like uh, my brother came over, and a coworker of mine came over. So what I did was I went to Best Buy. I got myself that that midnight black PS5 controller. So I got two now. I think I might have them. I think I might have to main that black. <laughs> that that strong that strong black controller. Yeah, it looks so much better in person. <laughs> well, got that controller, charged it up. My brother came over, my coworker came over later, and I had been telling them both about Overcooked. So when you describe a game like Overcooked to people, it doesn't make as much sense as it does to just play it. Because if you were to describe Overcooked, it's all right. You're in a kitchen, you're a chef, you pull out ingredients, you prepare them, you make meals according to the tickets that come in and you send them out of the kitchen in order for you to get your points and get a tip. 
So a lot of people, every time I tell them that, it's like, that sounds dumb. How can that be fun? You put the controller in their hands and you start making soup and suddenly it, it starts to make a lot of sense because it's the beauty of a game like Overcooked is that it's a lot of, it's a lot of communication. It's a lot of moving around. It's constant action in the sense of you have to be doing something all the time. Like you can't, you can't just be, you can't just be like, all right, I'm just going to get the vegetables and okay, I'm just going to do the chopping. I mean, maybe if you have three or four people, you can get away with that in the early levels. But as meals become more complex, as tickets stack up, as, as the kitchens themselves become more complicated, you got to be moving around the kitchen. You have to be circulating. You have to figure out the most efficient means to, you know, pull ingredients, place them, where to put the plates, what goes on the plates, like how to get the easy orders out first to get to maximize your points while the, the bigger orders come together in the background. Shit gets on fire. Somebody got to put the fire out. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it gets nuts. And then, like I said, the levels themselves start to become obstacles. Like there's a pirate ship where, you know, you have enough time to get a couple meals cooking and then the boat rocks and the kitchen shifts and you as chefs have to shift your positions and take on different roles. There's bigger kitchens, but then there's an earthquake and it, it's right on a fault line. So half the kitchen goes up, the other half goes down. If you're on the down part, you can't access the upper part. The upper part has the burners with the pans and the meat patties that are now burning because you can't get to <laughs> So somebody has to be up there. They have to come to the edge throw down the meat patties so that you can put them on the burgers and get the ingredients with them. Then when the level comes back together, get them burgers out. Mm. It, it's unbelievable. I love Overcooked. I created two new fans of the franchise. I was also unaware that the version, the PS5 version of the game that I got with PS Plus last month included Overcooked, Overcooked 2, and the DLC. So that was a, a very pleasant surprise. So many chefs, so many levels, so many modes, couch co-op, online co-op, story mode, mm. arcade mode. Mm. <laughs> it's it just, it's, it's everything you need. It's, the game evolves over time. Like I said, it, first you start off with soup and all the soups, it's just one ingredient. Like give me three onions, give me three tomatoes, give me three mushrooms, and, you know, just making soup. Then the burgers come in. It's like, all right, you need to get the plates, get buns on the plates, get the, yeah, let me chop, let me ground the meat up, get the meat on the thing, let me chop up the lettuce, chop up the tomato, get all that on the plates. When the patties come out, get them on there, get it out of here. We only need meat and, meat and bread on this one. Get that out of here. <laughs> it's amazing. It, it, and it's also dope because of its rating system where it has the three-star, like you're familiar with the three-star system. It's most yes, prominent in, in mobile games. So my brother and my coworker, you know, they see those stars. It's like, we can get three. Like, yeah, we sure can. <laughs> so we just keep going back in until we get all the stars we needed to move on. Like, Overcooked, I'm telling you, if you're in the couch co-op, if you're, if, if you're one of those people, couch co-op is dead. They're not doing it anymore. Get Overcooked and two kind of kind of a lesser known extent on my end because I haven't played it yet but AMC you said you bought a copy I would say also get moving out I'm thinking I might just buy it and mess around with it single player to see what it's all about 
But yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's I think those kinds of games are really excellent for the couch co-op experience because it's you have to work together. It's not about combat or violence and you're you're working toward a collaborative goal of like, I need your help and we need to do this in the most efficient manner. Let's problem solve together. Like you get those things, I get these things. Let's get the couch. Like let's work together. Let's shift around. Like that's yeah. that's that I feel like is where gaming shines in one of its most brilliant manners. But enough about me and my experiences. Yeah. AMC, what have you been playing? So yeah, I just one thing I say more is like with overcooked, it's the beauty of the game is the simplicity of it and mm-hmm. if you could look at it from a distance and be like ah it's it's a nothing game because it looks so simplistic but what's great is like what you're saying like it's for me it's the like the best version of a girlfriend game which meaning that like somebody who doesn't necessarily game can pick up overcook and figure it out you only need about like two buttons in it <laughs> yeah. yeah like you quickly learn like how to chop shit how to grab things and move them around you don't need like you're not like twin stick in it and like moving around the camera like it's Mm -hmm. very simplistic from an input standpoint and then it's and then it's very detailed as far as an efficiency standpoint so like from what you could see as simplicity if you want to be good at the game takes a lot of concentration and studying of like timing and things along those lines so it's like a perfect balance and like in a way, like it makes it a perfect game um, for that specific style of play, I'll say. But as far as what I've been playing, um, okay, I played three games this week. Uh, oldie but goodie, played a little more Hades, did a run, took is. out Hades. Uh, one more time, one more again. Um, as AW mentioned, uh, you got to beat it a couple of times in order to, I guess, roll credits. And so I'm in that phase of like, all right, let's, let me just beat it a couple of times. I'm also doing like the bounties now um, on top of that, kicking up that heat. Mm-hmm. Um, so just enjoying that stuff, buying a little bit more. Uh, I'm actually starting to like renovate, <laughs> like, uh, like uh, as opposed in the past, I was just buying stuff that would help me along my quest. I'm now like, I bought everything I need for, like, for my room. And now I'm just like buying little knickknacks here and there around like the uh, the hub world, I'll say. Yeah, so I got to that point, just buying all the decorations, <laughs> giving Cerberus the comfy bed and the toy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, enjoyed that, but um, only did that for one night because a new game came out. Um, what? But you know, actually, we'll, we'll go back to another oldie but goodie. Uh, so I mentioned last week we beat Super Mario 3D World. Uh, so it was time to hop into that Bowser's Fury, which is the um, added on content, I'll say, um, that came along with the port because it was originally a Wii U title. Uh, and so Bowser's Fury, which is pretty cool. What I love about it is that it's very different. It's very much Super Mario 3D World, but a different take of it. And I was in that one, you have a new character, that being uh, Bowser Jr., um he's not in the uh, original super mario 3d world this one you're only playing as mario so you don't get luigi uh peach or toad or the secret character that will go unnamed and um and then also in this one what they do very cool is that it's not levels um so super mario 3d world you're you're just it's very much like the old like super mario world games where you have like your your map and you select the stage and you hop into the stage and then you play out the stage 
in this one it's you just have a big world so it's very much like a uh an open world style of game loosely uh, loosely a sandbox there's not like npcs and things on those lines i did come across one but it was more towards like completing a mission and to like carry had to bring like a kitten to a big cat so very much like the uh like the penguin <laughs> and super mario 3d world or super mario uh 3d where you have to bring like the baby penguin to the mama penguin i had to do that with a kitten to a cat but it's just one big world so that's very different from you know the layout of the of super mario 3d world also in bowser's fury um it's once again not going to say it's like a vania but um a metrovania but they do play on the different um i guess power-ups in order to utilize the map uh to like pull out certain objectives within the map so like you you get like the boomerang you get the uh the leaf and you'll get like um the flower and all the other power-ups that are in super mario 3d world but now the world is set up in a way where i can only reach certain things if i have the the leaf suit on or i have to use like the boomerang to get this and things along those lines so you have to really consider uh, utilizing certain power-ups to get past uh, object objectives as opposed to just you know platforming your way to the next flagpole um on top of that too what i love about it so um with the title bowser's fury uh bowser is like he's like cursed in some way and that that's where uh bowser jr comes into play and and he's just kaiju bowser and so what will happen is uh as you're playing the game, it'll suddenly just start raining, which is like a tip off, like a Bowser coming. And next thing you know, giant Bowser just shows up on the map and he's just fucking shit up and you got to avoid him. Uh, eventually you get to a point where you can get a power up and uh, then you become giant Mario, uh, cat Mario looking like a super saiyan with, with the tear. And, um, and you fight like basically like Kaiju, like Kaiju Mario versus Kaiju Bowser. And you have your battle and every time you beat Bowser, it unlocks like a greater portion of the map and you know and then there's just areas over there to explore um so it's it's very different but yet still feels very much like a uh, super mario 3d world so it's like the perfect add-on that doesn't feel like uh you know just more of the same but yet it's still everything that you loved about the original game uh so play more of that on top of that new game very new game that being metroid dread oh um, big game Big game, huge game. Um, yeah, uh, the debate was basically Eastward, Death Loop. Realized Metroid Dread was coming out, and so that was like obviously gonna that was that was the game that was the priority. But I was waiting to see, you know, how the the reviews came out. If the game for some reason was like you know just subpar, I might have held off. But the game got stellar reviews, and so that kind of just sealed the deal. All right, time to hop in. It's a good Metroid game. Start playing it, and. Yeah, what I'll say about this is that it's very much like a Metroid game in that, like, you know, it starts out and uh, it goes through a cutscene. Um, Samus gets attacked and it gets, um, quote unquote, physical amnesia. And so then obviously you only have like physical amnesia. Yeah. So you only have like your blast, your plasma blaster and your rocket and you have none of your other power ups that you had in, like, say, the previous games. Uh, and then so obviously you got to do that whole Metroidvania thing of like repowering up and getting all your shit back. But um, on top of that, uh, it's it just plays perfect. It's everything that you love about Metroid in that like all the great action that you enjoyed in previous games. But now there's the, the things that they added. So there's the uh, the Emmy, the 
EMMI, which are these robots that were sent by the Chozo to this world to, um, you know, investigate this, uh, this virus that showed up there and thinking that there are robots, they might be able to handle the virus because it's a biovirus. But um, as the, the robots landed on the planet, things went dark with the robots. So mm. something went very wrong. And then, so, you know, they, they got to call in your, your girl Samus to go and investigate being that she's the only person that has the uh, immunity to that virus. And so you show up on the planet, things go bad, go sideways. And now you're left to pick up the pieces and figure things out. Uh, and as you push through the world, uh, what I'm really loving about this game is that, as I was mentioning you in the pre-show, is their use of... Uh, so in the game, one of your weapons or one of your abilities, I'll say, is a, a melee counter. It's the X button. And you can just use it as a regular like just melee attack. But they call it a melee counter in that when the enemies attack, there's a brief like opening where if you hit that counter button at the right time, Samus will quickly knock like parry them back. And then you can follow it up with a, a blast. It usually takes them out with one shot and they drop greater resources. And they let you know um, when to parry by there's like a yellow flash uh, from the enemy. And that's like your indication a la like Spider-Man and Batman, things along those lines. Now what they do that's really awesome is that. So in the boss battle, um, I got, I got to my first boss battle. We're duking it out. And it gets to this point where um, I'm like, I'm stuck in the corner and I have to figure out how to do it. And what I learned is that one of uh, Samus's moves is like this slide. And so I had to slide under the boss to get to the other side to get out of the corner. And so I go to slide under the boss. And as it slides, it goes into this kind of animation that looks kind of like a cutscene. It's no longer... Um, 2d it's like almost like a, a cinematic like really quick like you know, no loading or anything like that like a quick like cinematic uh scene of samus sliding under the uh the boss to get to the other side but what i notice is as i'm sliding uh the boss's tail is going to attack and that yellow flash suddenly pops up and so i hit the melee counter samus then counters as that tail flashes as i'm sliding under and then uh, gets off a blast. The boss's tail then grabs me. So this is all now like one cutscene, and um, the boss's tail grabs me. It's shaking me around, and I'm just like, I'm like, like, oh, what the fuck is going on? There's no button prompts or anything, so I think it's just a cinematic. But I hit the uh, the shoot button, and all of a sudden, Samus starts shooting the boss. Yes. So what they did that's really cool is that it's like a quick time event but without the button prompts so you kind of just have to figure out what the fuck is going on and the only real indication that it that it's a quick time event is that um that initial yellow flash that happens during the scene so and the thing is if i didn't hit the melee counter this whole quick time thing would not happen at all it would just be like a straight up 2d fight with the boss but because of that i'm i'm now like in this thing where the boss's tail is grabbing me i'm getting off blast i even held down so if you hold down the r button it switches to the uh secondary fire which is right now for me it's the uh the rocket the the rocket launcher and so even in the quick time event i then held down the r button and all of a sudden the blaster changes to the rocket launcher and then i'm blasting the thing with the rocket launcher while it's like flinging me around so it's like things like that like that um it's you know they're not they're not doing something they're not reinventing it but they're doing a different take on something that we that's been very familiar and like i guess that's like kind of like 
as far as where I'm at, I'm only like maybe like three hours into uh, this game, but it's, you know, when, when you discuss overcooked and like, you know, people talk about reviews and things along these lines and the review, a lot of times gets caught up in, well, especially when it comes to scores, it's this game versus this game. And the way I look at it is like the review is based on what are they trying to do and how successful are they are at like, at like getting of, of at getting that across to the gamer and you look at like overcooked and it's a very simple game but it's like almost a perfect game as far as like what it's trying to do and that's what i would say about like metroid dread is it's a metroidvania it's very much a metroid game but it's like a perfect metroid game at least so far as what i'm experiencing and so that like, it kind of like it explains a lot of the the reviews and like the takes on it. It's like, it's doing some new things, but it's also very familiar in, in other ways. And that's a lot of Nintendo games in general. It's like, it's a Mario game, but yet they're doing a lot of new things and taking advantage of like the better hardware to, you know, to change up the combat, to, to make it feel like a little more unique as, comp- as in comparison to the previous games. And that's not like not even getting into the, the whole stealth elements when it comes to running into an Emmy. Um, and in, even like, how you confront them in that like you can't really just straight up fight them and even in that it does like its own like um cinematic as it's about to kill you it goes into the uh you know the death screen or the like, the death animation but even then if you can time it perfectly which is almost a damn near impossible you can get out of the death animation with your melee counter and so they've they've done a lot of things that are really cool in the game to make it fresh while also making it you know very familiar and so yeah i can't wait like it's one of those things like i can't wait to hop in like i put in three hours like it was nothing (laughs) in one sitting and that's like a sign of like almost like uh, a perfect game is like i i'm just not getting tired of any of it (laughs) so yeah i can't wait to hop back into it discuss more because you know i'll be unlocking more oh right now i got a uh the latest power up i got was the um it's an invisible invisibility cloak. So it'll allow me to move, um, you know, more stealth through the environment, especially when Emmy show up, which will help me escape in those, you know, crazy situations. So yeah, this game is, uh, it has a little bit of everything with the Emmys when they show up, it gives a feel of, uh, that, that alien game where like, you're just constantly running from the alien or even like resident evil when you're like running from the nemesis. It's like when the Emmy shows up, you're just in survival mode, but you're just in a 2D environment. So it's like unique in its own way, uh, but really cool. And so, yeah, I, uh, I can't wait to put more hours into this, but I'm not going to gush anymore about Metroid Dread dud, dud, dub because we have topics of the week to get to. So let's get into these topics of the week. Topics of the week. Who's leading off? We got a coin toss at the 50 yard line. Nah, you got it, A Dell. I've been talking too much. What you want to lead off with? Talking too much. Talking, talking too much. much. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's lead off with quote unquote news <laughs> because we all saw this one coming a mile away. So I'm just going to rip the band aid off the same way that Rockstar Games has just done in announcing that they're releasing the Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy the definitive edition. Yeah, so as you guys more than likely already know, this this upcoming package of remastered classics has been leaked for weeks, months now, and Rockstar just finally put a ring on it, made it official. Coming from Matt Kim over at IGN, they're saying all three games 
will feature across the board upgrades, including graphical improvements and modern gameplay enhancements, while still maintaining the classic look and feel of the originals. More details will follow in the coming weeks. Rockstar has not yet confirmed that the games will be released as a single package, as individual titles, or both. The existing versions of all three games will be removed from digital storefronts next week. Rockstar also announced that the games will come to iOS and Android in the first half of 2022. So in announcing this trilogy definitive edition, Rockstar gave us a little more than sort of a montage of the logos expanding outward from one another with uh, some classic music to get people back in the mood, put mm. people back in that that place in that time. Now the updated games are coming from PS5, PS4, Series X, Series S, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC mm. via the Rockstar Games launcher, which I didn't even know was a thing. So <laughs> yet another launcher on your PC that you gotta have if you want to enjoy. Well they just put it on stuff. Steam. Well they just put well, everything out on Steam to well, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we still haven't seen much. Uh, these games are going to be coming later later this year with the mobile ports to follow. Uh, Rockstar's statement about the extent of these remasters and re-releases leaves a bit on the table because just saying that you're going to include graphical improvements and modern gameplay enhancements, you know, that, that could lean toward either extreme or from the extreme to the minimum. AMC, how do you feel about this news and what do you think they'll do versus what you want them to do? I mean, for me personally, I would, you know, I, I would say a remake would be more interesting to me, but a remaster, you know, people are purists. They want it to feel and at least feel the way it felt when they originally played the game. So I get that. Maybe like they look at certain things that that people have complained about over the years and maybe you know fix those things up as far as like updating the controls in certain situations but um you know this is interesting uh, because i i played I, th- I believe it was it was one of either gta one or two you know like that old school top-down gta on the pc mm-hmm. and then i never played gta 3 what Vi- i never played vice city oh my god and then i hopped in on san andreas you know, you know, um, it was that I saw like the other ones and I always heard like there are great games, but I there's something about those games that never pulled me in. And then they went fucking 90s West Coast. And I was like, all right, I'm in now. Yes, day one. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you hate to say it because it, it can work both ways. But, you know, sometimes representation matters. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, and, it does. Um, yeah. And so like it just that like pulled me in and I absolutely loved it. On top of that, I mean. It had, it had like RPG mechanics. And so I, I like that aspect. I know over the years, there's been, I'm not gonna say revisionist history because I have no idea how people took it at the time, but I, it, people seem to hate on San Andreas and those like RPG mechanics. I thought like it was awesome. Like being able to change up my character, learn learn different ways of fighting, upgrade my like shooting ability and, and everything on top of that. Um, so I just thought that was cool. Uh, and so, yeah, with this, I would say that there is some interest depending on what they do that maybe, you know, I find myself with like a couple of free months because nothing has come out. That's hard to believe, especially the way 2022 is lining up (laughs) that there's, there's going to be any free time to play anything. That's not a new game, but uh, yeah, if I find myself with some free time, um, it might be the time to finally play, you know, GTA three or vice city. Um, I mean, 
coming from your perspective, having played all of those games, like what are your expectations or like even like your interest level in like these, I guess, definitive remasters? Well, I don't necessarily have much interest in the graphical improvements. I'm keenly interested in what Rockstar may have in store for the modern gameplay enhancements. Because like I said, that, that could be a minimum or an extreme. On the minimum level, you know, maybe they just add some quality of life stuff. Maybe they tighten up the the aiming precision. Maybe in in those games, they add the weapon wheel instead of having you scroll through the weapons one at a time. Uh, on the extreme end, there have been murmurings about them possibly running those games through their current game engine and basically bringing them up to date in that manner. Now that's something that I would be highly interested in, especially for GTA 3. Uh, I got I got a, um, a re-release of GTA 3 some years ago. And while it felt nostalgic to be back in there, once I actually got to the, the pointing and shooting of it and the running and the getting shot in the back because there's no cover <laughs> system. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if you don't get them first, they got you kind of game. It, quickly lost my interest even before I could do some of the more wacky stuff. Like I know, I know a few spots where I could do some pretty insane things with vehicles. Like I know if I get a tank, I can do the longest jump in GTA three. I was going to say is like, is it, is that enough? Because I know you said you don't have, you lost the evidence, correct? I have the evidence. I just oh, can't yeah. access it. <laughs> so would it be worth it <laughs> to get the new one just to, you know, Get that on record. <laughs> Get that on video, upload it, timestamp it. Like I just did this. You know, I would I would have to let it simmer for a little bit and let people rack up their supposed longest jumps. And of course there are gonna be people on PC glitching and shit. <laughs> uh, I jumped I jumped two miles. Went, okay, dude. Okay. <laughs> All right. I did it in a tank, so chill out. But yeah, I, I would I would like to see the game play more like i would like to see all three games play more like the gta 4 most notably but i imagine more similar to gta 5 just for the sake of people complaining and it's funny that you mentioned revisionist history with san andreas and the rpg mechanics because it just made me realize that there's a lot of revisionist history that's been going on between <laughs> GTA San Andreas as well as Saints Row. Because with the Saints Row reboot, the complaint was, oh, I don't want to play as hipsters, I want to play as gangsters, and all this and that. However, when GTA San Andreas came out, the primary complaints were, uh, I don't like playing as a gangster, I can't relate to the character. <laughs> you, you remember all that? <laughs> there was a whole lot, I can't relate to CJ, I'm a, I'm a white male, I can't put myself in no shoes. <laughs> yeah, You know what's funny is, like, I think... It, like and this is something that we were discussing in the pre-show. I think that, that might have been pre me like being on the internet, uh, and so like in that way, like you know, as far as like engaging with people in forums and communities discussing video games. So I think all of that, like you know, it was it if a tree falls in a forest, <laughs> no. Yeah. So yeah, like I just wasn't aware of it at that time. And whereas now I'm hyper aware, unfortunately, of all of people's negative opinions about yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, San Andreas, I believe it came out in uh, 2004. Mm -hmm. And I started getting real active online around 2006. Okay. So, but at that time, I was still playing GTA 
quite religiously. <laughs> like San Andreas was just my shit. But yeah, man, I I I want to see the games upgraded, and I'm just looking forward to enjoying some of those those past indulgences of that trilogy. Most notably, the import export car garage. That's something that I feel like kind of went away with the modern GTAs, where basically there's a list of cars. You get those cars. Once you complete the list, not only do you get money for every car that you bring in, but then you get access to all of those cars. So you just pull up to the shipyard, go on the boat, pick a car, come out, oh, start dipping, coming out of <laughs> San Fierro with a new whip. Pulling up in the jester, they ain't ready. <laughs> they ain't ready for all this. Uh, I believe GTA Five had something similar with um, their Lo- Los Santos Customs, or, yeah, something like that. And they had something similar where you you went and you got cars and you got money for that. It, it just didn't feel quite the same. So I'm looking forward to going back to that. I'm looking forward to just doing crazy jumps. I know in GTA Three, there's a long road that dead ends at a hospital gate. And if you drive a stinger full speed head on into that hospital gate, like I don't, it's like the geometry or something, or maybe it's your car, your your tires hitting the curb and giving you some lift on those front tires, Mm -hmm. but you'll hit the gate and the car will just do backflips and land in the parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. So I was just, I was stacking up flips, flaming flips as the car just breaks down. Oh man. It's, I could go on and on about the little things that I did in GTA. It's just that nostalgia is so real. But when I go back, I, I can't do it. They haven't aged well. So well, they, games don't age. They haven't held up well. We've been so spoiled by modern conveniences and advances with modern gaming that it's just hard for me personally to go back to those games so I mean, it's really, like you don't have like that euphoria right back then <laughs> it's like didn't have euphoria <laughs> barely had havoc yeah <laughs> you didn't you didn't have hd resolution so the resolution on the hitboxes was terrible like you're shooting at some guy's head but you keep hitting the wall <laughs> it's like that kind of shit. yeah it's and, and they have pinpoint accuracy because no big yeah, so I'm looking squarely at modern gameplay enhancements. I mean, to a greater extent, I would like to... Well, no, that would be more toward GTA 6. So I'll save that discussion for another time. But yeah, modern gameplay enhancements are my primary focus when it comes to how these remasters are going to be coming together. I'm hoping for more of an extreme makeover, like something akin to a remake, even though I know that's not what these are. So that's what I'll be looking for. But let's get into our next topic of the week. To- topic of the week. Week, week. Week, week, week. Well, A-Dub, this is a workplace story that doesn't have to oh. do with Activision. Oh. That being, you know, IDOS Montreal decided to make a change. And it's a change, you know, could be for the better. We'll see how it affects development. But IDOS Montreal, this coming by way of IGN, has decided that they're moving to a four-day work week. Oh. Ooh. Very interesting. Uh, so, Three-day weekends forever. Yes, sir. All right, so here are the details. Uh, so this is coming from IADOS Montreal. The idea is not to condense the working hours into four days, but rather to review our ways of doing things and our quality time invested with the aim of working better. Um, continuing, IADOS Montreal says that both studios will be closed on Fridays. 
the next few weeks without changing the working conditions currently in place, nor the salaries of employees, the switching from 40 hours to 32 hours. So um, yeah, important things there. Uh, I know when the first the story first came out, there was a lot of discussion like, oh, does that mean they're getting paid less? They said, no, we're paying them exactly the same to work less hours. Um, so they're still all full-time employees. It's not like they're getting, you know, what is it? Uh, part-time employee benefits, things along those lines. It's, they're just working less hours. And, you know, there have been studies that, you know, having working less hours actually makes people more productive. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and, um, you know, it just in general with the way things have been going with the pandemic, also just reviewing how we can change things up. Um, I know from your perspective, just from the outside, looking at this, uh, do you think this affects their game development or do you think that there is something to reimagining like our approach to developing games as opposed to just throwing hours at developing games? <laughs> well, I mean, the studies have shown that people who take four day work weeks have been more productive. And as long as they're not affecting the salaries or the benefits of the employees then the employees have every incentive to try to, you know, work harder so that they can, more greatly enjoy their time off. Uh, I don't know what this is going to do about crunch, <laughs> so, but you know, I mean, like, yeah, like they didn't I'm not one too, who's like, upset about it. So. Yeah. Like I, they didn't mention like, is this, if this is going to extend game development cycles and things along those lines. So we don't know how it's going to affect that as well. Yeah. We'll have to see because this is it. Well, you said they adopted the four day work week. So I doubt this is an experiment where they're just trying it out. <laughs> so i mean if they're going with it i imagine that they've likely weighed all the necessary data and figured that it was a good decision that they could get away with so yeah it, i i want to see what they're making next i think they're they're working on what guardians of the galaxy yeah exactly yeah, maybe they were doing so well with the game that they were like you know what we, we don't need to work by this week <laughs> i think we're dialed in on this I mean, uh, when you look at something like crunch, how much of that is uh, a management standpoint as far as like um, mishandling uh, the development process? And now we have to crunch to, you know, make up for those mistakes as opposed to we just need to get this out within, you know, to make it within this quarter so that our financials are okay. <laughs> it could be a mixture of either or because yeah. it's, at the end of the day, it's the decision makers who are allotting the time and the resources to the project. So they're the ones who are deciding what the deadline is. Mm -hmm. Apparently they have unrealistic expectations about when they can finish these projects because it tends to come down to the wire and suddenly there's this mad dash to stitch all the pieces together instead of you know gracefully and smoothly coasting across the finish line with you know without people wanting to pull their hair out so idos montreal good on you i salute this and i'm looking forward to seeing guardians of the galaxy pretty soon oh man i, I need that game to be good yeah. <laughs> it looks good it looks guardians i have a couple i have a couple little gripes just about the gaminess of it and how there's you watch the guardians of the galaxy movies there's a lot of detail there's a lot of there's a lot of differences in terrain and like things look like people actually live there, work there, fight there, you know, it, things look natural. When you look at the game, it's kind of open corridors, flat, flat spaces, right angles. It's just like, ah, oh, come on. 
just be good. But uh, you see the combat, things look awesome. I don't know. Maybe they earn that four-day work week. Maybe there is a reason that they're getting a four-day work week. It, hopefully, yeah. it has something to do with Guardians. Yeah, I would say, like, if anything, it's more an indictment on, like, how we can work smarter. Because, you know, we kind of just fell into this idea of, like, 40 hours. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. that's what we need. That's how, we, that's how we're most efficient and blah, blah, blah. And we'll never change it. And you look at, like, the pandemic, and it's like, People need to be in the work. We need people in the office. That's that's how we get people to be the most productive. But then you find like certain places where it's like, you know what? Actually, we're just as productive with people not in the office. And let's see if people really want to come back or not. And so I think it's just, if anything, I don't know if it's like the pandemic brought this on or they had been considering this along the way. But me, for one, I'm always like, I'm one of those people that's always happy to see at least a company try to... Uh, reassess the way they do things to do things a little smarter and in a way like to benefit the employee because a lot of times it's how can we do things to be more efficient and then it'll be you know at the cost of the employee as opposed to how can we be smarter get them more time back to be home with their families or do whatever they would like to do with that free time but then also on our end to be able to be just as productive to, to get the same, like, you know, products out within time to keep the company profitable. And so I, I like this in that, like, if they can, if they can prove it works, then maybe it's something that more companies start to take on because a lot of times, like, I think we saw it with tech, even like tech started, like tech tech was one of the first companies, at least during the pandemic that started announcing everybody's working from home and then other companies started to take that on as well. And so once again, maybe it'll be tech that will lead this uh, change as far as, you know, how many hours we're working during a week and getting that free day back. I mean, if anything too, I would say maybe better for the economy. You have three more days where people are kind of not at work and now they can spend it at other businesses doing things that they would like to do mm-hmm. recreationally. So, you know, spending money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to do and something taking the that money time. that they're saving on childcare that like, that's what 20% of childcare expenses. I mean, I'm sure the childcare industry is not going to like that, but that's money that can go to other industries. That's money that can go toward rent. People can stay in their homes. People can afford food, better food, more mm-hmm. food, enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overall, it's and what's what's the worst that can come from this? Games take a little longer to develop. Like you can wait. There's plenty of games. If anything, games in general need to take longer development cycles. I think the gaming industry, just off its sheer size mm-hmm. and the number of contributing entities that are putting out new, better products on a monthly basis, like everybody can take some extra development time and just space all this stuff out. Q1 2022 is like a whole year's worth of top quality gaming in three months. Makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. More developers, as we just like a game that we were just discussing that GTA trilogy, we've seen like Rockstar kind of scale back their production and yet are as as successful, if not more successful than they've ever been. Way more <laughs> successful. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. And so like, yeah, like you look at it, it's like maybe, and yeah, as, as we discussed in the pre-show, some of the cr- criticisms behind, you know, certain franchises from Ubisoft and things along those lines, like maybe like there's this idea that we don't need these annualized franchises, just like 
just pumping out games like every year or every other year maybe take your time put out something that's a little more fresh and get out a game like maybe every three to four years instead of every other year to every year and that might be the route to go but that's all i got that's all i have to say on this topic let's keep it moving a dub in the next topic of the week top topic of the week i'm gonna give you a little a little functional news a little something that's enhancing the value of the Sony PlayStation ecosystem mm. because Sony has begun testing free PS5 game trials. So currently this availability is only in the UK and it only includes Death Stranding Director's Cut as well as Sackboy Adventure. Now that's some good news. You know, maybe we'll see more game trials for more games. People can try stuff out. I know it was a big deal last gen when Sony said every game would have a demo and then every game didn't have a demo. So now this is kind of a kind of a way to back into that, letting people access the games. However, the information starts to get a little dodgy <laughs> from this point on. So First, it's that the amount of time that you can play these games doesn't seem to be uniform. For instance, Death Stranding gives you six hours of free gameplay, while Sackboy, A Big Adventure, offers five. But wait, there's more. Uh, according to IGN, Jared Moore says, the actual amount of time that players will end up spending in the game is likely to be considerably lower than that. In a decision that's likely to affect players differently, depending on their internet download speeds, the trial period for each game has been set to trigger from the moment that you select download trial on your console or add to library from the web, as opposed to when you actually start playing the game for the first time. <laughs> that is the wildest design decision I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> AFC, how do you feel about these free game trials as well as the apparent implementation that they're going with. I mean, there's a reason why it's a trial. <laughs> <laughs> See how it goes. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of criticism from people like, Oh, what happened to demos? Like from the PS3 era, like yeah. every game used to have a demo that's gone away. Um, you know, and then there's, uh, Especially, I'll tell you what happened to demos. <laughs> especially like in light of uh, you know what happened with um, CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk, um, I think trials might be a good way to you know a very pro-consumer move, so that people can try something and they can't do this like thing where it's like, uh, like I paid for this game, it's a buggy mess, I want my money back, and then Sony has to figure out their you know their refund policy. And um, maybe this is a way to get people to try out games and, you know, give them a shot and without feeling like they're somehow getting duped into paying for a game that wasn't completely finished and things along those lines. So I think in that way, I, I like pro-consumer moves from that way. People seem to act like Sony isn't pro-consumer anymore based on like their prices of games and things along those lines. But the fact that they're even trying this out is a very pro-consumer move, I would say. And so from that standpoint, I think it's good. Obviously, there are, there are certain things in the implementation that they could iron out <laughs> with it, yeah. but uh, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a good move. Um, how do you think this affects, I know we've kind of discussed like the things where people like play like five minutes of a game and be like, oh, I figured it out, game's mm -hmm. shitty, things along those lines. Do you think that this could possibly negatively, or do you think this is more positive or you could see this being somewhat negative as far as like people playing a trial and then 
giving a review based on that said trial of a game. <laughs> it, with PlayStation implementing it as a function of their of their services, I think it's kind of a indirect manner of them being able to document exactly how people uh how you say how people conduct themselves when they're given free trials of games because like you said people get a demo it's like oh, i figured it out oh i've seen all the game has to offer it's not for me oh this is a rental glad i demoed it skip <laughs> <laughs> so it's like okay but now they're going to have the data that shows all right 17 million people played this demo, 2 million people bought the game. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, it, were there not a demo, 5 or 10 million people would have bought this game. Like, that kind of that kind of shit. But who knows? It, maybe it's just a whole... It's a way for them to get back into the demo business. And like you said, it's pro-consumer. You get to try it before you buy it. People have been very upset about this. They've been leaning on reviews and YouTube and videos in order to know whether or not they must spend their money on day one because that's the only time they can spend their money. The game evaporates and disintegrates if people don't spend their money on day one. So... This will give people more insight. It'll also allow people to get their hands on the game themselves. I just hope people understand that these are going to be vertical slices. Not even vertical slices. I mean, it's a free game trial. It's probably the opening hours of the game. So you're, you have to keep in mind that you're playing the opening hours of the game. It's probably going to be very simple. It's probably not going to be the entire experience as it is when you get to the end game. So conduct yourselves accordingly and, you know, just think about it. Just play the game. If you're liking the mechanics, if you like where things are going, then it's probably something that you'd be interested in. But let's get into our next topic of the week. Top topic, topic of, of the week. Week, 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 week. Um, so this is a follow-up to a previous story that we had covered, that being a Nintendo Direct where a lot of stuff was announced. And one of the things, it was an announcement of an announcement <laughs> that we would be getting the best kind yeah that we'd be getting the uh you know a direct for the final character added to super smash brothers ultimate uh and so yeah your boy sakurai he uh held that direct and we it's official that final character in super smash brothers ultimate will be <laughs> Uh, Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Oh, that's big. <laughs> Epic. Uh, let's see here. So announced by series creator Masahiro Sakurai. And the final presentation, a new trailer re referenced the original Smash Brothers Ultimate reveal. It showed Mario throwing a fireball that opened a portal, bringing Sora into the world of Super Smash Brothers. Sora will be added to the game on October 18th. Oh, your boy's birthday. Mm -hmm. I have a switch, though. <laughs> it'll cost you $5.99 USD, that dollar, um, uh. as a standalone and is part of the Fighter's Pass volume dose. Uh, so, A-Dub, how do you feel about the uh, Keyblade, the master of the Keyblade being added to Super Smash Brothers? And just in general, the idea, because I know this one kind of took people by surprise, being that uh, this this is somewhat uh, a Disney. This is like a Disney character, but also part of that Square Enix family. But the idea of, um, you know, 
I guess, creators or IP owners lending out their characters to other franchises? Well, I'm, I'm reading through the comments trying to find some trolls. Somebody, <laughs> no, I, I didn't find, or at least I don't know if I found one, but someone said, incredible Nintendo managed to get him. Disney are notoriously hard to deal with, but Smash's success couldn't be ignored, and Disney finally agreed. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe that was the case. It, mm-hmm. I think it's awesome, number one, especially for kind of the the up and down nature of how people were responding to the characters that were added previously i mean there were some that people were excited about others that people were like well why would they do this this is is terrible but then nintendo finishing out on possibly the strongest note they could have finished on i can't think of another character that would be as well received and universally loved as sora from Kingdom Hearts, so that's very strong. My brother texted me, he's like, yeah, it's Sora. I'm like, yeah, it did, you're gonna get him, huh? It's just $6. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this this is awesome. This even prompted a hashtag on social media, uh, hashtag thank you Sakurai, mm-hmm. and he was very appreciative of it. The, the fans have been responding overwhelmingly positively about this inclusion, telling the team at Smash that they have earned a well-deserved break and I would concur. Yeah, man. I mean, you think about, like you said, the ups and downs, like the highs, I would say far exceeded the lows as far as like the new characters they added in these fighter passes. Um, They got Terry Bogart, man. They got Terry Bogart. Got the Piranha Plant. (laughs) They got Joker from Persona. uh, Yeah. uh, And then they got fucking Minecraft Steve. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think Banjo-Kazooie was one of them. Uh, So yeah, they, they, they definitely found like these characters. Several, like, <laughs> yeah. They, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they they found these characters that just have these, we'll say, cult followings, and they worked out some deal to get them into the game. And even when they did, what's great is like you know sometimes with these licenses, it's like the effort, like all the effort was put into getting the license or getting you know access to this thing, and then less is was put into the implementation of like the character or you know, the license that you're using. Whereas like, it seemed like every time Nintendo got a hold of these characters, they still made them very much smash characters, but also very unique to what they were when you played them in their, you know, in their original titles. And yeah, with, with this one and all the other characters, especially like Minecraft, Steve, they just did such a great job of, um, you know, of being true to those to the original content with those characters and that's why like every time they did it it was like absolutely awesome it was it was an event every time they added a new character into this game uh in the game that had like all the characters from every previous smash game and so yeah like uh this is definitely a high note to end on um like we've talked about like you know some of the success of that nickelodeon game and it's all about getting the right characters and i would say sora is like one of the biggest ones to to end on at least when it comes to Smash Brothers. It's huge. Uh, First Troll says, I said it would be Sora as a joke because it seemed like the most ridiculous ad, but <clears throat> I'm right and I'm disappointed. <laughs> disappointed. Disappointed. Yeah, man. Oh. <laughs> Next Troll says, just like Nintendo to make all the wrong moves. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes to show you that even when you make what is arguably one of the best moves, still going to be people hate. That's yeah. not even troll of the week. That's just troll of the moment. 
Uh, yeah, but this is awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing some high level Sora gameplay. Evo is going to be nuts. Looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Let's keep it moving now. What else you got in the next topic of the week? Top topic of the week. What the fuck? Actually, what did. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, so I kind of missed Troll of the Week. We'll circle back for it, though. Okay, Should have yeah. got, got it after what were you playing? <laughs> yeah, we could, we, could do it. we could do it right now if you want to do an do impromptu. Right yeah. <laughs> no, let me, let me hit you with a little. A little organizational news, a little, a little corporate maneuvering news, a little Diablo 4 news. So as you guys know, Activision Blizzard is going through quite the shakeup as there have been several departures from the studio, you know, in association with these allegations and investigations of misconduct, these settlements that the the plaintiffs felt weren't enough and yeah it's getting pretty deep don't know where bobby kodak is <laughs> yeah bobby speak on it you're hiding but somebody who's not hiding is joe shelley joe shelley has worked on world of warcraft and diablo 3 joe shelley is taking over as director of diablo 4 this is because the previous director Louis Bariga was let go from Activision Blizzard in August amid allegations of harassment and abuse within Blizzard. Uh, Bariga was with Blizzard since 2006, damn, and was let go alongside level designer Jesse McCree, who the character in Overwatch McCree was named after and now is having his name changed, and World of Warcraft designer Jonathan LaCraft, I'm guessing no relation. In today's post, <laughs> Shelley briefly addressed the ongoing allegations. Uh, they this was, this was by way of um, the Diablo 4 quarterly update where they're dealing mostly with the sound design of the game. Uh, Shelly says, like many of you, our team has been reflecting upon recent events. Uh, a lot has happened since our last blog and the hard work of practicing the values we aspire to must continue. In parallel with that important work, development of Diablo 4 continues too. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate circumstances, but you know, Things have to keep moving on. Games have to keep getting developed and the people have to be served. So congratulations, Shelly, and working on Diablo 3. I hope that definitely ensures that at least the, the quality and enjoyment that game experience delivered will live on in Diablo 4 while also implementing the best parts of the atmosphere and tone of Diablo 2. It looks like it's on track to be yet another success for Blizzard and yet another all-time favorite game for us here at Control Issues. So hopefully things pan out like that by the time we finally get a release date. AMC, how do you feel? Uh, yeah, the big thing was when I was looking through the bio and seeing that he had worked on Diablo 3, I was like, anything from Diablo 3, especially just fucking Reaper of Souls, like that, that changed, yeah. that changed literally the game, but that changed the game as far as like how Diablos need to work moving forward. I know as much as I loved watching you play Diablo 2, I know you said like at some point it was like, all right, like. Right. I've had enough. <laughs> I get it. I've, yeah. I've seen what this game has so far. <laughs> and like, like once again, it's like those arguments where people are like, "Oh, like old games are better." And it's like, mm, like it's like I love Diablo two. It was a, it was a great experience when it came out, and I played it 
fucking was it over 10 years ago but there are things that they did with diablo 3 especially in that expansion where it just they picked up the pace and i would say this is like i don't know if it was because diablo was like you know expected to be an online style of game and so they figured the pacing was dependent on how many players you played with as opposed to running it solo Whereas I felt like Diablo 3 was a game that could be very much played solo because you're just leveling like nonstop and uh. you're you're constantly getting upgrades, you're constantly um you're constantly getting rewards and you're constantly maxing out your character. Yeah. And so you felt like you can just run across the map and just handle business. Whereas I remember, you know, in the early days of Diablo 3, before the expansion, we would go like we hit a point where like we would go an entire day and get like one legendary. Mm-hmm. and then like maybe level up like once because it was like at that point in the game where like we we're at the highest of levels and so like they figured out a thing where it was like a constant reward feedback and yet like you were also like you didn't feel like you were grinding and yet you were very much grinding and it was like just the perfect blend and so i would hope that like anybody who worked on diablo 3 would carry that on to diablo 2 and as you said Get the atmosphere, get everything that looked great about Diablo 2, but we want that good old Diablo 3 gameplay. And so um, that's the perfect blend, and hopefully that will carry over. And it seems like, I mean, the uh, the resume is in the right place. So if you're going to hand it off to anybody, it seems like this is the guy without, with, you know, ver- knowing very little other than apparently this guy doesn't have a sketchy history yeah. <laughs> in his personal life. And he's still with the company. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah um yeah I, I i i look at this as like good news um you know people are gonna say as long as the head is still there of you know activision blizzard it doesn't nothing's changed but at least changing the people who are in charge of the games will you know give it at least ensure that the game is on the right path <laughs> i'll say I- I, I struggle to think of where I'm going to be in my life by the time this game comes out. Like, what kind of person am I going to be? Like, it, am I still going to be working the same job? <laughs> like, am I going to be in the same apartment? If, am I still going to be single? <laughs> like, when this, when this game comes out, because this Diablo 4 is going to be a significant part of my life. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's like, you know how I said, like, I waited for the review. Like, I knew I was going to get Metroid Dread, and even then I was like, I'm going to wait for a review at least because there's other good games. I feel like Diablo, not I feel, I know. Diablo 4, it's, I don't care what's out at that time. I am getting Diablo 4. <laughs> and we are online co oping <laughs> every fucking weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you just let me know when you're up, and I will make time. <laughs> yeah, I like, can't. Oh, wait. I'm at the bar, but I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> She only wrote down it. I only got half her phone number. It's all right. Yeah. I'll get the rest next week. Yeah. I'll guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, get the get like the pace and the overall feel and fluidity of Diablo 3 down, but keep the like the weight and the realism, the the atmosphere and just that foreboding darkness of Diablo 2 and somehow marry those two together. I mean, we've already seen the skill tree and how robust that is going both upwards and downwards with the character class skills in addition to the um, the passive skills. We've also seen 
uh, what it looks like with the, the die system. We've seen different looks in so far as the weapons and armor. We've seen the game in motion. Like, it's on track to be the game that it needs to be, for me anyway. And this is all without considering the different modes, the different difficulties. Once you really start getting items that have beneficial effects on them, once you really start getting your build tight, just that damage starts multiplying, those hit points start melting. Those legendaries start dropping. <laughs> like, I can't wait. Like, how many torment levels is it going to have? Or, or Like, what are the rifts going to be like? If those are there, are we getting adventure mode on day one? Diablo 3 brought so much to the table that I'm just hoping Diablo 4 scoops all of that up and adds more to it. <laughs> That's it. Um, but let's get into our next topic of the week. Top topic, topic of, of the, the week. week. Um, this is my last story. It will be a you know it'll be a quick hit. Uh, that being, Capcom has announced that Resident Evil Seven Biohazard sold ten million copies. Uh, Capcom Ltd. today announced that the multi-platform title Resident Evil Seven has shipped over ten million units worldwide. Uh, this is a quick quick hit. Uh, the angles that I want to attack this one on is, you know, the narrative with Resident Evil. What I loved about this is um, a lot of times when we talk about uh, voting with your wallets, it comes from a place of negativity, I'll say, in that people are complaining about like certain games, whether it's like, you know, loot boxes or blah, 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 or why do they do this? And, you know, we always like, respond with well why did you buy it <laughs> if you like like all you had to do was like just read a little about the game and it was all in there in the press briefing and you would have known that it was all there so then why did you buy it and now you're out there complaining about it um this is the opposite where uh you know people would complain about resident evil you know losing its ways uh as they got they you know they started to side more with like the the action side of it as opposed to the survival horror aspects of the games uh and you know i think it was like the last one was like resident evil 6 where like it like i felt like at least the gaming community or media just they were like just fed up with the franchise like something needs to change <laughs> like blah, blah blah or just like if this is the route we're going um like kind of like r.i.p resident evil and you saw them like just pivot to resident evil 7 i believe it was i think first person um you know a throwback to the the horror elements that really made the franchise what it was and people got behind it they went out they bought it and it was you know just a massive success like on at launch and continued success so in this case this is a good sign people responded to a good move by a company voted with their wallets and uh i believe resident evil village doing very well and capcom taking all the notes and following you know you know the the response the feedback from the community in that from that regard as opposed to the criticism they they responded to what people were buying and decided to do more of that um also i mean a good thing like what basically what i was alluding to there is a franchise that is loved by many people and kind of losing its way and seeing it return to form is always a good thing i guess like what like I would the question I'd pose to you is like do you ever I know like we got like Halo Infinite coming out and we've we've seen how like people responded to the previous Halo games and things along those lines <laughs> like do you ever I guess like does it ever hurt your heart when a franchise that did really well 
as you were like, you know, getting into gaming or whatever, and then starts to lose its ways and there's a ton of negativity, does it like hurt your heart or do you ever like kind of root for them to kind of figure it out so that that franchise could be, you know, placed back in a positive light? I mean, I'm always going to root for developers getting it right and figuring it out because it, yes, it's, it's very sad to see a franchise fall from grace or fall out of popularity, basically losing its way. Like I feel... I feel that's kind of what's going on with GTA, but that's only because I'm just so enamored with what they did with GTA 4 that anything that doesn't build upon that is a step back, in my opinion. So GTA 5, to me, is like, yeah, it's, it's got the production value. Yeah, it has some cool elements with the three protagonists. It has the best GTA online of all time. But it, it just doesn't move and play the way I want it to. And, like, that's kind of putting me off on what was one of my all-time favorite franchises like you couldn't tell me anything <laughs> negative about gta when four came out it was just like they figured it out they know what they're doing this is the future of gaming all games <laughs> need to be like this <laughs> all, rock stars teaching a master class out here um... which which they continue doing with the red dead franchise which is surprising to me because Red Dead and GTA came out in the same generation. Uh, Red Dead and GTA 4 came out in the same generation, and they both set the stage for what the future of those franchises would be. GTA 5, to me, is on a downward trajectory from where GTA 4 was, and Red Dead 2 is like one of the finest pieces of software ever crafted by human hands. So clearly the talent, the drive, and the resources are there to put GTA on the same caliber as a Red Dead 2, but I don't know, just something's not coming together. So hoping GTA 6 bridges that gap, swings things back upwards. I can't really think of too many other franchises that have fallen from grace in, in the kind of manner you're discussing, other than like Halo and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was and, it, and it's unfortunate because Halo is a, is a is a tentpole franchise of the industry. It's storied and iconic, and how it proved that you can have a high quality first person shooting experience on a console. People will try to chime in and say, "Ooh, Golden Eyes!" Like uh, Golden Eyes just proved you could do it. Mm-hmm. Halo proved that it it wouldn't just be a fluke or a one-off. You could actually make a, a proper first-person shooting experience on a console without needing a mouse and a keyboard. So just that legacy, as well as the originality of the Master Chief, of the Halo, of the Flood, and the Covenant, like that, I would like that to stick around and continue to be regarded highly among the gaming industry. But I mean, if, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. So... Yeah, we'll just see what's going on with Halo Infinite. I have high hopes for it. I really hope they stick the landing. So, yeah, I would say a couple months to go. The other one, I would say, um, you know, just based on the reaction to the Legendary Edition, but uh, Mass Effect, uh, just the way, you know, the the taste that Andromeda left on, I would say, the greater community. I know you said like you you enjoyed um, you enjoyed your experience with Andromeda, but just the, uh, yeah, the I love... need to go back and play it because a, a mission is bugged and I can't progress the story, so that yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like the love that people had, at least for the first two Mass Effects, you know, three up for debate, depending on like if you were the person that was like just you know 
just had your heart broken because of the ending or whatever. But, um, you know, I guess all that was like tossed aside when the legendary edition was announced, people were super excited to play mass effect again in that original series that, um, how they like enjoyed it and experienced it and loved it. So I think that's one of those jumping over rockets. Uh And so I think that's one of those ones, like if like they could pump out like a good mass effect game, like on a modern day console, that would just, that would immediately like just change things because that was, that was almost like the premier sci-fi franchise, at least for a period of time. Uh, so it would be nice to see that come back in some some way, shape, or form. If they could somehow blend the mechanics of Mass Effect with like Dead Space, <laughs> with that zero G, oh man, Mass Effect would be on a whole other level. If you going on spacewalks, fighting in space, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's I mean that's another one. Uh, I know you've been saying like get us another Dead Space, and this uh, remake, yeah. this remake seems to be at least it's it's a remake, so obviously like they're kind of rehashing old content, but it's a it's enough uh it seems like they're doing enough new stuff to give it a fresh feel but that's one of those ones also start yeah and that's one of those ones like the way massive uh dead space 3 ended as far as like the over the overreaction to certain things (laughs) that were implemented in the game um that that's another franchise that clearly people were hungry to see dead space come back based on the reaction to the remake and so that would be a great one to see come back in in a great way absolutely all right, well, I guess that's all I got for that one. You want to keep it moving? Next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. Another quick hit, another corporation, organizational structuring. <laughs> this is Gearbox related. Uh, this is Randy Pitchford related. Uh, Randy Pitchford has stepped down yes, as yes. Gearbox software president. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but Randy Pitchford remains. As Gearbox Entertainment CEO. <laughs> yeah, specifically, uh, Randy Pitchford, he's no longer going to be the president of Gearbox Software. However, he will still serve as CEO and president of the Gearbox parent company and shift his focus towards film and TV as the president of the newly formed Gearbox Studios. In essence, he's been promoted. In essence, got drugged. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I know a lot of people were reading the headlines. They were like, finally, we took him down. He's gone. But no, he's not gone. He's just, he's taking the the 10,000, the 10,000 foot top down view. And, you know, he's still there. His influence would be there. So whatever. It's like, it, who cares? Why is it so necessary to get these people fired? They brought you enjoyment. <laughs> they brought you products that you love and now you want them to no longer have jobs because they made some design decisions you don't care or they had USB drives full of porn. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? AMC. I mean, who doesn't have a hard drive out there somewhere full of porn? (laughs) I have a hard drive full of porn. I don't even look at it. I just have it. It's the force of habit I developed since I was a teenager. I see something I like, I get it, and I put it on the hard drive and I put it away and I forget I have it. And, and the thing is, like, it could be generational. I mean, we come from that era. It's like, it was, porn was hard to come by. You come yeah. across a Playboy, you snatch that <gasps> up, and you, you covet that thing. <laughs> you <laughs> keep it in the Mylar bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I like totally that shit it. was treasure, and then VHSs came along. <laughs> it's like, you're hiding that in the mattress. Yeah. And then DVDs came along. You got to 
you got an unlabeled CD book that you keep it in the back <laughs> of the sock drawer and then everything goes digital. And now you got a big ass for a terabyte hard drive and nobody knows about with stuff on it that they don't know about. Exactly. <laughs> like it's, it, we, we also come from generations of hoarders. Yeah, exactly. So we have that mentality, like I, I, it's a, it's preservation. Yeah. <laughs> these, mo- these movies aren't available anymore. <laughs> these old movies, they aren't on the porn anymore. They aren't on the torrent. We got to keep them. But yeah, Randy, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing, but it's a thing. And hey, the guy is instrumental in bringing some of the best products that I've played to life, the mm-hmm. entire Borderlands franchise. So, you know, that's what that is. <laughs> but we got some people that are upset. Some people that are mad. They're not mad about this. There are definitely people who are mad about this. No, what these people are mad about is what AMC has been playing. They, they have a feeling of, of doubt. Yeah. They they have feelings of angst. Yeah. They have feelings of dread. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, today's trolls are coming sideways at Metroid Dread for some unknown reason. <laughs> New highly reviewed Metroid, and that's a problem somehow, but let's just get right into it. First troll says this game is meh, way too linear to even compare to Super Metroid. <laughs> I think Metroid is supposed to be the worst in the franchise, right? Is <laughs> always, it? I always thought I heard like people said like Super Metroid was like the worst game ever, <laughs> or at least the not the worst but the least strongest of all of the Metroid games. So maybe that's like a subtle dig. <laughs> Super Metroid has been it, first of all, it's the one Metroid I've played the least of, and I've, I think I've only played three Metroids. I played the original. I played Super Metroid, I played Metroid Prime, and I may have played Metroid Prime 2. I can tell you, without a doubt, I played the least of Super Metroid. What game sticks out in my mind more than any other Metroid I've ever experienced? Super fucking Metroid. (laughs) Which Metroid do I own that I want to play more than any other Metroid out there? Super Metroid. (laughs) SNES Classic. Uh, Love the visuals. Mm -hmm. Love the gameplay. Looking forward to finally digging into that one of these days. And, you know, had it on an emulator. Emulator bugged out. (laughs) Couldn't play it. So now I got it in its native format. And I'm looking forward to that. So I don't know what anybody's talking about with Super Metroid being the worst. But insofar as this troll talking about way too linear it's a Metroid. It's different. They're all not going to be the same. So you take this one for what it is. It has other mechanics and other hazards and other obstacles that you need to overcome that are mm-hmm. just different. It's giving you different presentation according to the AMC where mm-hmm. you're basically playing cutscenes and not in the traditional manner of waiting for button prompts with the occasional shrinking circle of a timer in order <laughs> to get you in order to get your actions perfect. But this time you're you're in the cutscene playing so we are with metroid dread we've taken another step toward the future of gaming that we probably predicted on the show back in the day to where like the visuals are so great and and dynamic that you're basically playing a cutscene in real time but let's get to the next troll that says the game is decent so far but i can't help but be disappointed by the visuals they range from okay to outright bad in part 
it's bad. Like the articles I read were just about how like the, the magic of the switch and how this game is so smooth, doesn't drop any frames and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and then this uh, guy comes out like, ah, uh, I mean, I know I've had, I've heard like some criticism, like, uh, you know, the typical, like, uh, like the switch isn't as powerful as the other consoles and it's starting to show blah, blah, blah. But it's like, nah. from my standpoint, it's like, but are the games good? And that's, getting classics. Yeah, exactly. Like that's all that ever should matter is are the games good? And are the, are the games working? And like, if you're just sitting there and it's like, oh, like the lighting could be a little bit better. It's like, is the game running well? Is it playing exactly as it's intended? That's all that should matter. <laughs> I mean, it's funny with AAA games with Microsoft and Sony exclusives, all people can tend to complain about is, oh, the performance sucks. Oh, the bugs and the glitches. <laughs> Nintendo games always technically sound. <laughs> yeah. no, no one can ever complain about the performance or the like the bugs and the glitches of a nintendo game i may have heard some stuff about breath of the wild but it's an open world game and that's just par for the course even then it's not a lot of complaints it so then nintendo games oh graphics uh, uh, starting to show its age uh. okay. next troll says too bad it's a side scroller Side scrollers have been done to death. Do you think there's a shortage of 2D crap in this day and age? <laughs> Metroid Dread got a Metroid Dread got a nine. <laughs> <laughs> Not crap. Stop. <laughs> Maybe if you weren't wasting your time playing crap, you'd be able to enjoy the great 2D experiences that are out there, including the likes of Dead Cells, Hollow Knight, mm. <laughs> Metroid Dread. Yeah. I mean, like I can't even name them, but I felt like there was some like I don't know if there were directs or like playstation events or i don't know like jeff Keighley events but we saw some great like 2d side scrolling like indie style games that oh, had, like yeah. that, that pixelated art where it's like holy shit like what is this and when can i have this mm -hmm. <laughs> um, oh yeah i know the one game that you're probably talking about yeah yeah i, I just can't remember the title well, when yeah. that game comes around that's a day one yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah this idea that like uh 2d like uh it's bad it's like if it works, it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, even when it works, some trolls still have other more economic things to complain about. <laughs> Next troll says, $60 for a nine-hour experience is a hard pill to swallow. This should be priced at $39.99. Max, gonna pass. <laughs> You're passing on a high-rated, brand-new Metroid because it's $60 and it's like a 10 hour experience. Uh -huh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 10 hours of high quality Metroid isn't worth $60 to you, uh -huh. but then we'll turn around and spend $60 on the next call of duty or mm -hmm. the next Madden or some, some other thing that's like the flavor of the month and then complain about it. Like, ah, oh, pay 60 bucks. It's bucket mess. <laughs> yeah. And once again, like, as I was mentioning to you, it's just like it was never about games being seventy dollars. People were going to complain about the price of games, even when they thought, "Oh, sixty dollars was the fair value. Seventies is just a, a, a bridge too far." Blah blah. blah. It's a cash grab. Yeah. And now we see, like, with this sixty dollars game, oh, this game shouldn't be worth sixty dollars. So no matter what, it's people don't like paying full money. price. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, money exactly. But whatever the full price is for the game. 
they don't want to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, what Kenna was thirty nine ninety nine. People mm-hmm. didn't want to pay that. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the price is. People just don't want to pay full price. Yep. Yep. <laughs> The game is 99 cents. Ugh. <laughs> Wait for a sale. Not paying more than a quarter. <laughs> yeah. Next show says Nintendo is leading. Ugh. Nintendo is leaning hard on nostalgia. And frankly, I ain't biting. They definitely are doing that. But yeah, if they're yeah. doing it right, they're doing it right. <laughs> I mean, nostalgia makes money. Yeah. It's, they didn't make Metroid because people didn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Next show says, it looks like a passion project by a fan. Production <laughs> values aren't there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, as we know, there was a Metroid passion project that was being developed by a fan. Unfortunately, it was shut down by Nintendo. However, if you compare that to Metroid Dread, I think you'll see quite the difference in favor of Nintendo. Next show says, they really need to switch up this tired formula. Should have made a turn-based RPG Metroid. <laughs> uh, maybe down uh, the line. Maybe down uh, the line. They, might, they, they put out a tactical turn-based Mario game. Who knows? <laughs> they put out a tactical turn-based Gears of War. Metro, Metroid Rabbids. <laughs> yep. <laughs> put, her, put her in rabbit form first. And let's see how that plays. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I don't know how exploration would work with that because Metroid Metroid isn't just the action. Metroid is navigating the environment and the, the environmental puzzle solving, the, ex, the actual exploration, finding weapons, the, the Metroidvania of it. I don't know how you put that in a tactical turn-based shell without just having these unnatural pacing issues where you're running and jumping one minute, then it... Because everything in Metroid is trying to kill you. So everything you encounter, then it's good. The camera angle's going to have to change. The grid pops out. It's like one enemy in a pit of lava. (laughs) (laughs) And there are some enemies that you're probably not even supposed to kill. It's like, are you going to interact with those? I don't know. There's a lot to solve there. Not every game needs to be a tactical turn base, yeah. (laughs) Even though I'm not turning it down if they can make it work, but... Next troll says, I feel like Nintendo gets a pass on a lot of things. A 2D game that's short and charges $60 is one of them. I mean, a bypass that they have a community that supports everything they do they do, and, and just enjoys anything that they're willing to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that are dialed in to the vibe and the heart. <laughs> I mean, it's like, for us, like if, if you don't know what this show is, it's kind of that. It's Dub loves Returnal. He like, <laughs> but like everybody has to be super critical so of certain things. It's the thing. Like I'm always about like, what does the community think of this game? What do people who like roguelike games? What do they think about this? Not Joe Schmo community. Yeah, not Joe Schmo who only plays like, God of War. Decided to pick up Returnal. Had no idea what a roguelike is, and then is upset <laughs> by their experience. And so that's that's how I view it. Like with Nintendo, it's they have their franchises. And what is what they do and what you can't knock them for is that each one of their games within that franchise is unique unto itself. And that like Mario is Mario. It's, it's got platforming. And even then they switch it up. They go 3D. They go 2D. They, they change that up. Zelda. They go Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Zelda. Open world game. Crafting. Things along those lines. Then you can sell. Down. 
<laughs> yeah, and then you get Metroid, and it's a it's a va- it's a Metroidvania where you're unlocking stuff, improving your character, getting access to areas earlier in the map that you didn't have access to before. Um, and so yeah, and Luigi's Mansion is even its own shit. So like, even when they do rehash old things, it's at least different from another nintendo game that you had just recently played animal crossing completely different from any other nintendo game and so yeah they they bring back old shit but at least those things are different unto themselves uh, in comparison to their other franchises i don't i I need to watch the last couple of episodes of real time with bill maher again but i feel like he he had a remark about animal crossing where uh one of the highest selling games since the pandemic is Animal Crossing, a game where you don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, it, not that it relates to uh-huh. this segment, but I yeah, just yeah. found that interesting where it's like, yeah, like some games you don't need to do shit. Sometimes people <laughs> just want to make an island and make a garden and have people visit it and comment. <laughs> like just, just be social in a virtual world. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. There's probably a larger point there. It depends on why he was going in at uh at Animal Crossing like that. Yeah. But next troll looks interesting, but Nintendo can suck it. Yeah. <laughs> but no reason, yeah. no background, no context. Just they can suck it. Like, what did they do? Why why are they being given such a privilege? Oh, <laughs> And last troll says, and AMC, you'll love this. Ugh, more kitty games from Nintendo. Uh, this is like, I would say, if anything, this game, and it's the timing of it is somewhat perfect. I know last year, October around this time, we got Luigi's Mansion. Don't have to even get the detail with that because it's a haunted game. Perfect game for Halloween. This game feels, as I said, the Emmys are very, uh, um, very menacing you can't fight them uh you just gotta run and survive uh and this game feels very much at times like a sci-fi horror game and so um you say kitty i say somewhat of a horror game in that way um very uh like my my pulse is pound, pounding at certain times and so yeah definitely a different feel from what you would expect from say a mario game or anything of the like <laughs> Oh man, I, I don't know what to say about these trolls. I'm not, I'm not playing Metroid Dread. You're playing Metroid Dread, so you'd have the greater insight. But some of these complaints are just completely surface level, completely nonsensical. It's like if you don't like 2D games, why are you even here? Why does the price of Metroid Dread matter to you? Because you wouldn't like it anyway, and you, you obviously don't value these games for what they are or for what they're bringing to the table. So yeah, man, it's, it's just, it kind of reminds me of what happens when like a comedian puts out a special and maybe they get involved in some hot button issue. And then all of a sudden you get these people coming out of nowhere, like, Oh yeah, he's, he's never funny or he's not funny. He was never funny. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) okay, but you watch the special. So mm-hmm. you thought he wasn't funny, but you showed up. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. What is that about? So you don't like 2D games, but you're showing up in a thread about 2D games to talk about how it's not worth $60. Like, it, nobody gives a shit what you think. <laughs> you obviously don't get it. And your opinion obviously doesn't mean mm-hmm. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with your opinion on that one, Ada. But I'm just a co-host. 
Troll of the week. week. Troll, Troll of the week. week. Troll, Troll of the week. week. Troll. Um, I have no other stories. Do you have any other quick hits? I am completely tapped out and looking forward to this upcoming week of gaming news. Not to say that I'm expecting anything in particular. I'm just looking forward to hearing what else is coming down the line. Looking forward to any surprises. Looking forward to news and reviews about Guardians of the Galaxy because I really hope Square Enix sticks to landing with that. Yeah, man, it's great. It's the best time ever to be a gamer. (laughs) Best time ever. There is no better time in gaming history to be a gamer because you still have all the gaming history at your beck and call and you have the future of gaming unraveling before you right in front of you. I completely lost my train of thought there, but like right at your feet, just Mm -hmm. the red carpet that is leading you to prosperity is unrolling every step you take into the future with gaming. So just enjoy it, smile, take your pictures, enjoy the event and, Play the games you like. Ignore the ones you don't. Quit being an, a mark-ass bitch on these goddamn comments. <laughs> like, it's, it's on us to conduct ourselves better online. It just stay in your lane, man. Well, thanks for listening to Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is You are Control Issues. That's your plan. Oh, this is...